0: You're now listening to a special presentation of World Footprints Radio with your award-winning hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, broadcasting live from the beautiful city of New Orleans in the 28th Annual French Quarter Festival. And now, coming to you from the fabulous Hard Rock Cafe, here's Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Well, hello everybody. We're back in
1: one of our favorite cities, New Orleans. Thank you so much for joining us today on World Footprints Radio for our signature live broadcast during French Quarter Festival. We're your host, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we're going to let the good times roll today.
2: Indeed, we are, dear, and as you can hear, French Quarter Festival is in full swing this hour, and uh, we're going to serve up a heaping bowl of cultural gumbo as you'll meet each of our guests, starting with local all star musician Connie Jones and Tim Laughlin. Were are featured on this year's French Quarter Festival poster. Then our good friend Marcy Schramm, Executive Director of the French Quarter Festival, will join us to talk about how the festival is making history this year with some of its features, and perhaps a special guest will be joining us in that segment as well. I We're hope so. keeping our fingers crossed that Lena Prima, the daughter of Louis Prima, will be with us as well. And if you're hungry, we'll whet your appetite with Sean McCusker, owner of one of the hottest new restaurants in town called Sylvain. And we enjoyed it last night, and we had an extraordinary time there as well. And remember, we're never far from your fingertips, so if you want to reach us, email us at comments at worldfootprints.com. But before we do that, we've got one other person joining us, Liz Williams, founder of the Southern Food and Beverage Museum, and she'll stop by to give us a historical taste of real Southern food as well.
1: And always, uh, you know, you guys can follow us in real time on Facebook and Twitter and certainly connect with us uh, through our networks on our website at worldfootprints.com. For now, let's let the good times roll with our first guest. French Quarter Festival is in full swing, and we're happy to start our broadcast with two stars of the festival Trumpeter Connie Jones and clarinet player Tim Laughlin. Both gentlemen are featured on this year's poster and we are so happy to welcome them to our show. Hey guys. Hi, how are you? Hey. Great
3: to be here.
1: Now you you bo- both of you guys are on uh this year's French Quarter Festival poster. How did that happen, Connie?
4: I don't know. I <laughs> my uh, I think I think Kim mentioned it to me. I, it was already a done deal. I have a granddaughter who works for the uh, Convention Bureau, and I don't know if she had anything to do with it or not. She knew, but I didn't. She confessed up later, but it, I, I take it as a, as a heck of a compliment.
1: Kim, did you uh, did you slip uh, anyone a piece of uh, Connie's birthday cake to uh, <laughs> grab this on her?
3: funny how I found out because uh, I was talking to Pete Fountain's manager and said, he said, Pete's going to be on the poster this year. I said, well, great. And then next thing you know, I get a call from the office, from the French Quarter Festival office saying, oh, you're on the poster. I said, I thought Pete was on. He goes, yeah, you're all free on. And uh, what they did is that they wanted to feature the All-Stars and because Pete always sits in with us and just uh, brings the crowd to their feet and uh, they they featured all three of us, and so we're, uh, you know, we're right behind Pete, and uh, it's it's a great looking poster. I'm proud to be on it.
1: Indeed, indeed. Now, Connie, you opened the festival this year. Is that something you do every year?
4: It's been I've been opening like the last ten or twelve of them. Uh, <clears throat> a few years ago, Sandra Dartis, who was then the uh, the producer, asked me if I would put together a. Uh, an all-star band for the festival just to open it, and I, I just thought it was like a one-time thing, and I've been doing it ever since.
1: And uh, Tim, I know you're playing, you're playing today, but you, you guys play together. I mean, uh, you're, you're, you're kind of backing up Connie, or you backed up Connie in the, uh, in the opening, and he's, he's kind of uh, assisting you today. Is that, is that kind of a normal? Thing are you guys kind of that that tight family?
3: Yeah, um, all we do is we trade bow ties.
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, I guess my day wear the bow tie. But uh, what makes it unique is that uh, the Connie's band uh, has sort of a different sound than my band, and uh, and and it's not on purpose. It's just the way it is. Um, some of the material we play. But I I I enjoy playing being Connie's. Side man as much as I do uh, being a leader, and I think he does too. It's just nice to to take the lead from somebody else for once, and uh, just sit back and have fun with it. So uh, that this is sort of the norm.
1: Mm. Now, describe the 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 different styles that you just alluded to. What are your different styles of playing?
4: Who who are you addressing?
1: Me? Yeah, Tim. We'll start with Tim. Okay, Tim.
4: Yeah.
3: Well, uh, I think um, I think Connie's band is more of a uh, a, a New Orleans big band type of uh, setup. Um, uh, I, I know he uses some charts, uh, but we we're, we're both big fans of Bob Crosby and the Bobcats, and uh, I just love that sound and love playing those charts and and the, the, the music and the role the role of the clarinet. Um, so I think you can kind of um, describe it best like that and then I'm sort of um, uh, not all over the map but I I I write some original music and stuff that people are not going to be familiar with so I think they get a get kind of a charge out of that and um, those are the two different uh, styles I guess best described Mm
4: -hmm.
2: now Connie did you grow up in a musical family
3: my
4: uh, as a as a young man, a young child before television, uh, my great aunt, my grandmother's sister, was a piano teacher, and we always had music in the house. Uh, we, the, myself and my young aunt who lived with us, took piano lessons, and I we had a pretty good record collection. Although it was kind of a, a diverse, I, I listened to a lot of country, western swing. And we had some of the classic those were the days of seventy eight records too 'cause so you didn't get a lot of extended music, you know with just short versions of everything uh nobody else in my family became a musician except not uh, just me uh, and uh, I mean they all had real jobs <laughs> and i was the uh I was the only one
3: that that continued on with the music
2: Tim, what were some of those early musical influences on you growing up?
3: I fell in love with the clarinet before I ever owned one. A friend of mine played down the street, and I'd go here and play. So um, I didn't know anything about jazz until after I got my first clarinet when I was nine. And then I heard it on the radio. I think it was uh, uh, Pete Fountain. And uh, I ran in. it's said, Dad, who is that? that's Pete Fountain. And then I uh, got a couple of his records, and Benny Goodman. um uh, I, I always love uh, big band music. Uh, just yeah, I I also played uh, alto sax in school, so I was drawn to that. Uh, but I always loved the New Orleans style clarinet.
2: Mm. Mm. Connie, what drew you to playing trumpet?
4: I was uh, um, I had started military school in uh, outside of Gulfport, Gulfport, Mississippi, and uh, it was. I guess, but it was not too long after the war, and they used, being a military school, they, they used a bugle.
3: But I took lessons from him starting when I was nine, and then uh, also played by ear with the records, and then we had little bands in school that we, uh professor used to let us play with, um, and I would kind of organize that and you know, pick the tunes and uh, things like that, so I I, I guess I had maybe the best of both, and was well, just enough of both. Mhm,
1: mhm. Now you know when we come to New Orleans, when anybody visits New Orleans, you can hear music throughout the city. And I'm just wondering, as New Orleans musicians, what venue do you guys like playing at, or what what is is there one venue, in in addition to French Quarter Festival, obviously, where you absolutely love to play? Connie, we'll start with you.
4: Yeah, I like the, I like the small rooms, uh, I, 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 what I call saloons. This, this one you can get close together, and uh, when you play a note, it just doesn't go on. Like for an outdoor job, it just goes on forever. It never comes back to you when you're playing in a small venue, and I'll use uh, the pretzels of the Palm Court, one of those as a reference, you, you you feel more at home. You feel tighter, closer. That you're 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 more organized with your fellow musicians. You hear yourself maybe twice, <laughs> although it's it's instantaneous, and you can you get something back from the wall that's in front of you. If that makes any sense, mm-hmm. anybody else, I
3: hope they explain it to me. Mm-hmm. But I prefer the small venues.
1: How about you, Tim?
3: Uh, Connie had a good point. There was a, one club called Fritzels. We're actually going to be playing there this Monday and doing a CD release party. Connie and I just recorded a CD. And uh, so we're going to have five pieces uh, all on one tiny stage. And uh, I think that's my favorite play. I do that every Monday uh, with with the quartet but they've added a special uh, CD release party this coming Monday um, at at Fritzl's. Also, there's another place called Snug Harbor. Uh, it's a good yeah. live feel to it. Um, the Palm Court, and there's another place, uh, Connie and I play with other bands, uh, called the Bombay Club. It's like a mar- martini bar, um, a British martini bar is such a thing. Uh, so <laughs> And that's uh, a little bit more noisy, but it's still an intimate setting. And so I think that's the main thing what Connie was talking about. Mm-hmm.
2: Gentlemen, uh, you guys have so many wonderful places where you play in New Orleans. Do you get to tour away from New Orleans at all, uh, Connie?
4: Yes, on occasion. We, uh, we'll do some jazz festivals. We'll do uh, the LA Sweet and Hot Festival and the uh, San Diego festival on uh, what is it Tim, what day is it on
3: uh I think it's the weekend of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving,
4: yeah. And uh uh for oh about eight or ten years I used to do concerts with Columbia artists, community concerts. And uh, but that I'm I'm a little too old for stuff like that now. It uh, I've had my my fun on the road so to speak. But uh it it's really nice to get out and go do a week weekend festival and and kinda of touch base with your friends who are also doing the same thing that you might not get to see until next year. So mm-hmm. people from other other cities and other bands. And it it, it it's nice to come back home.
1: Tim, how about you?
3: Well I used to uh do a lot in Europe, uh, Germany and uh um England and um you know now that it. I I'm a little older, and I'm I'm enjoying staying home and working because you have to remember that, that in New Orleans, our audience comes to us, and everywhere else, we have to go to the audience,
5: mm-hmm.
3: so that's really a blessing, living here in New Orleans, and on occasion, I'll go out, and I'll drag Connie with me, kicking and screaming, and uh, <laughs> we, have, we have a good time for a couple of days, and then, like you said, it's always great to come home. Okay. Mm-hmm and you know, some of the, my favorite people to play for are locals, the New Orleans people, because they they understand our sense of humor, uh and our, our way of playing when that they don't box us into a certain style. Uh and um but you know, it's 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 always um open for negotiations to, to, to go on the road.
1: Well love to have you guys come up here uh D C for our Jazz Festival which is uh, which is growing every year. Um, Where can listeners, uh, when we go out here, we're going to be playing a track from your new CD. Um, Where can listeners find you? Uh, Do you you guys have a joint website or individual websites, Uh, Tim?
3: Uh, I don't think Connie has a website. He has a Facebook page. Um, I have a website. I just posted the new album on there. Uh, It's called If Dreams Come True. And uh, I'd say uh, I'm really proud of this. I wanted to feature Connie uh, on it, not as a sideman, but as sort of a co leader, um, and and two horns instead of three. uh, So we didn't add the trombone, and uh, I thought it came out marvelous. And I I let Connie pick his own rhythm section. The guy seemed really comfortable. There's John Sheridan on piano, Ed Wise on bass, and James. And, and uh, you can find that on my website, com. And if you're in town, uh, I'll ha- I have them at Big. And then there's this one store here that's that uh just Louisiana artist called Louisiana Music Factory uh, in the quarter.
1: Okay. And, and Connie, you have a Facebook page. I'm going to friend you on Facebook. I'll find you, Connie Jones, correct? Yes. Okay. Right,
4: yeah. I, I don't do uh, things like websites because, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's, that's of the next generation. Tim does a good job on on, on promotion, and, and I don't. <laughs>
1: oh, bless. Well, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for uh, helping us kick off our annual French Quarter uh, Fest broadcast this year, and uh, looking forward to seeing you both on stage.
4: Thank you, Tanya. <laughs> Hope to see you in Washington. <laughs>
3: hey, thank you. Thank
4: you. Well,
1: We're going to take a quick break, you guys. So sit tight for some more good times from the Big Easy during French Quarter Festival.
2: For the latest and last-minute travel deals, visit the WorldFootprints.com travel portal to find exclusive non-published sales on travel. Our Dynamic Travel Deals page updates daily with the latest sales from our partners. You can't find these deals anywhere else, and we've seen sales for $9 per night for hotels and $49 airline tickets. So stop by WorldFootprints.com to see where you can go for less. Also, make sure you visit the travel marketplace for sales on travel essentials and services.
0: World Footprints Radio is an award-winning broadcast and leader in socially conscious travel. Hosts Tonya and Ian Fitzpatrick bring you entertaining and informative interviews with well-known celebrities, newsmakers, authors, and industry professionals. From environmental leaders like Bobby Kennedy Jr. and David Rockefeller Jr. to conservationists like actress Stephanie Powers and director Ken Burns. Tune in to hear travel journalism at its best. Visit unique places from around the world and stop by the worldfootprints.com website for comprehensive travel information including special daily travel deals.
1: Hi, I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick.
0: And I'm Ian Fitzpatrick.
1: A few years ago, we decided to leave our respective legal practices to live a more purposeful travel life and help others leave positive footprints.
2: World Footprints was born and was quickly recognized for its award-winning journalism. We've covered events from the Olympics to a Titanic expedition, and we've discussed conservation, environmental, and public diplomacy initiatives.
1: Join us for award-winning radio and visit our website, worldfootprints.com, for daily travel deals and comprehensive travel information.
4: Hi, this is Johnny from New Orleans. Welcome, World Footprints. Exclusive coverage of the 28th Annual French Quarter Festival now continues live from the Hard Rock Cafe in the heart of the Crescent City. Let's rejoin your award-winning hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick.
2: And welcome back everyone. I'm Ian Fitzpatrick. We are coming to you live from the Hard Rock Cafe in New Orleans, Louisiana for the 28th French Quarter Festival. And this segment we welcome back very good friend Marcy Schramm, the executive director of the French Quarter Festival. And just to give you a sense how this festival is taking off last year's set attendance records, 512,000 people came out for the three-day run of the festival. $300 million in economic impact for the city of New Orleans. That's like a Super Bowl, Marcy. And it's gotten so big, you've had to add a fourth day. Welcome.
6: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be back.
2: Talk to us about how the festival is growing and this fourth day now. Things kick off on Thursdays now.
6: Well, you know, this festival, we're in our 20th year. And um, it began as a locals' festival, it was locals' little secret. And um, we find that the secret's gotten out, and so it has become an incredible tourism um, event for the city, too. About half the people who come are now visitors um, from as far as Japan and Germany and Europe, and of course, all the United States.
2: That international flavor, that multicultural aspect fits in so well with New Orleans, and this year. You've added this new feature, this Latin world stage. Talk to us about just the diversity, the richness that reaches out to all people from all over the planet now.
6: Well, we, we take great pride in the fact that um, amongst our 20 stages at festival, every single one of them features Louisiana music and homegrown talent. And um, within the eclectic mix that is the gumbo of New Orleans, we have, you know, of course traditional jazz and gospel and blues but then there's funk and rock and roll and you know Cajun zydeco um we even have a classical music stage because you know the french opera house was the first opera house in north america in new orleans and um just there's really something for everyone we've got kids stages and if you don't if you come to this and you can't find something you like hmm <laughs>
1: There's something wrong yeah. with that. Speaking of kid stages, you know, I know you expanded the children's area and you actually moved it over by the aquarium. Mm-hmm. It's it's on the riverfront, um, and we've always had it on the riverfront.
6: But we've really stretched a bit. It's now a kids' performance tent where it's very interactive, um, where the kids, you know, they're actually with the performers doing drumming circles and dancing, and it's so much fun. I love our family area because we have. Um, you know, a karate and tai chi instructor teaching kids how to do that. And there's yoga, and it's really it's, there's a focus on healthy living. And mm-hmm. um, you know, Whole Foods does some cooking demonstrations where the kids get to make things. and oh. it's a lot of fun.
1: What about the adults? Even if you're not a kid, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and I, I know you guys um, also have dance lessons, which I didn't know you offered during French Quarter Festival. Talk about the various uh, dance. Lessons uh, in the the various stages that they're offered throughout the the festival. Well, you know, it's an interesting story behind that. Um, There's a local group
6: called the NOLA Jitterbugs, of course, New Orleans, Louisiana, NOLA, and um, they approached us, and it was a young man named Chance Bushman who's originally from San Diego, and Chance moved to New Orleans because he loves, because the music here is perfect for swing dancing. And um, Chance came here, and he started inviting his friends from all over the country to come here. And they've all started moving here. And there's this fabulous swing dance community now in New Orleans, young and old, all different ages. And he said, I would like to teach lessons at French Quarter Festival. So um, every year Chance comes out, and in between musical sets on our trad jazz stages, they have free swing dance lessons. Oh! This year they've added um, at the Cajun Zydeco stage, they're doing the... the, the Cajun Jitterbug I think and also um the all well, Cajun's like so dancing, of like, line dancing. So mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. um it's spreading. Last year we had dance lessons in the kids area, so little kids were doing it and it's it's just so much fun. It really is. And even if you don't dance just watching it is so right, much fun.
1: Right. Well y in and, and all the dance lessons are free?
6: Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah.
1: man. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is
6: a a important thing about this festival is that it's free and open to the public. I mean everything that is an official part of the festival. That's our mandate, not just that it's a quality event, but that it has to be accessible to everyone. Mm-hmm.
2: Marcy, New Orleans is truly a festival city. You've got festivals, you've got music, seemingly year-round. There probably isn't a day or even a weekend that goes by on the calendar without something going on. How does the French Quarter Festival kind of hold onto its position as something special, even for the locals as it continues to grow?
6: Well, that's an easy one. I mean, we are the only organization that is allowed to do what we do. And when I say that, I mean we put a massive event right in the middle of a historic neighborhood, the French Quarter, which is the heart of the city, and it's, it's you know, America's most European city. We have um, the main, the heart of the festival, Jackson Square, has a stage in it. and It's full of, of course, restaurants that vend their food. Um, we're the only festival that's allowed to do that, so it's a once-a-year special thing. And it's the same on the riverfront. There's only two organizations grandfathered in: um, the Zulu organization during Mardi Gras does Lundi Gras up on the river, and then we do French Quarter Festival. So it's a privilege that um, the city trusts us so much that Mm -hmm. the sacred areas of the city we're allowed to produce the way we do it's um I mean basically you know we take over Bourbon Street Royal Street now Decatur Street we shut the streets down we've got stages in the streets and that's what I love the most about this festival is you can walk down Royal Street amongst those beautiful uh, wrought iron balconies and get these very intimate musical performances. Mm-hmm. It's just beautiful.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, one of the things I'm so impressed about, you guys, you're, you're, you're in the 21st century. Are we the 21st century now? Yes. Yes, okay. yes
6: definitely. So you
1: have an iPhone app. When we did that can. come? When did that happen? Well, you know, that's <laughs> a great story, too. you have the
6: best questions. Um,
1: <laughs> last year, a
6: gentleman from Chicago approached us. His name's Phil Berman. And he does the um, iPhone app for the Chicago Blues Festival. And he said, my wife and I always come to French Quarter Festival. We love it. It's our favorite. We'd like to do this for you as a friend, as a sponsorship. And he donated it to us. So this is the second year, and um, Phil's wonderful. He just, he loves the festival so much. And he and his wife are here enjoying it. And um, it's just a great gift. People do that a lot. For us, we see a lot of people who say, how can I give back? Mm-hmm. Which It's it's. it's just another great unique part of what the organization is we're we're blessed with great friends yeah Mm -hmm. well
1: you know we we hope we're counted among the the group of friends you guys (laughs) and truly having written an iphone app and working on our second i know how much work goes into those puppies so Mm -hmm. um, that's something i'm going to download certainly when we when we get back um now, you know, another thing, um, Marcy that I didn't know about you is that you have some Michigan ties. You work in Michigan, so this is a critical question and you know, no there's no bad answer. Are you a Spartan or Wolverine fan? Oh, oh, Wolverine. Well, you know, I actually
6: um went to Wayne State University oh, so me too.
1: Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> yeah, oh my
6: god, law no, is this, hey. oh, this is <laughs> But um, They're high
2: fiving each other here at yeah. that bond. <laughs>
6: Amongst the Wayne
2: State University. So it's kind of
6: a funny question. I mean, I guess I dated a guy for a really long time who was a Spartan fan, so I guess I'd kind of have to lean that way. All right, my girl. Yeah, okay.
2: Marcy, I won't let you slip from my good graces for that, even though I'm the Michigan Wolverine guy here. But uh, uh, again, uh, this French Quarter Festival is just so exciting. It's, It's always a great time for us to be here, and it's really a special showcase for New Orleans, and I encourage the world to come to New Orleans during this time because the city takes on a much different vibe than probably during some of Mardi Gras and some of the really super big things, not that this isn't super big. But this is truly a special one.
1: Well, in, in next year will be our fifth anniversary um, broadcasting from French Quarter Festival, and so we are planning. We're in the the, the very beginning stages, and we're planting seeds all over the town. We're going to do a celebratory broadcast next year. Oh, that's so exciting! Well, let us know how we can help you. Oh, Absolutely. we'll we'll do we'll do. But one last question for you. You know, when we talked the last year and the year before, you know, and I asked you, I mean, this 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 festival grows larger and larger every year and i asked you what you're doing and you you know you, you told us oh i just stick with the same recipe but you're sticking a toe in there and that that, that batter somewhere my dear cuz something is happening here this this thing is just skyrocketing well it's
6: um you know we we have a a really active board of directors we're a nonprofit community organization We have a really great board, and some of these people have been with us, you know, over 20 years, and they've seen it all and kind of done it all. And so we talk a lot about our growth because we want it to be smart growth and um, do what's best for the neighborhood also. I mean, it's funny. You were talking about technology earlier, and I was kind of chuckling because I was just telling someone recently that we're actually, we don't really embrace technology. We're kind of, like, we like to keep it simple. A lot of the reason people love French Quarter Festival is because we don't have these giant video screens near our stages. Like, we are not high-tech, and we mm-hmm. like it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, we're very, um, it feels like a neighborhood thing, you know. And yeah. so it's, um, it's funny, like, the iPhone app is probably as high-tech as we are, but other than that, yeah, it's uh, charming.
1: Well, I encourage everyone to go to the Apple Store and download that iPhone app, and and certainly come with us next year when we celebrate our fifth broadcast, and, and volunteer during French Quarter Festival because that helps keep it free.
6: This year we have 1,800 volunteers.
1: Holy cow. And it's
6: so much fun for them. They're working in the beer booth. They're working in the Coke booth. Um, great New Orleans people working in the information booth, being our ambassadors. And it is, it's a, its a—it's is—it's like a big family out there.
1: Oh, man. Well, how much of the beer uh, is being consumed behind the beer booth? On oh, one yes. They first? enjoy themselves. Yeah, they're I'm like sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, we
2: saw some of them enjoying themselves uh, yesterday uh, quite a bit, but uh, that's part of the fun. It it, it truly is a festival for everyone, just as you, you said, from the children to the big guys and so forth. So there's a place for everyone here And Marcy. Always a pleasure to see you, and we always thank you for the hospitality. Marcy Schramm, the executive director of the French Quarter Festival, we thank you for being with us. My pleasure. Thank you. And when we return from New Orleans, we're going to talk a little bit about food because we had a great meal last night at Sylvain, and we're going to meet the proprietor of Sylvain, Sean McCusker, next as World Footprints Radio continues live from New Orleans at the French Quarter Festival.
1: Footprints Radio, a leader in socially conscious travel, for inspiring, entertaining, and educational shows. Meet well-known guests like Bobby Kennedy Jr., actress Stephanie Powers, and director Ken Burns, along with other celebrities, newsmakers, and industry professionals who celebrate responsible travel, culture, and heritage, and support public diplomacy initiatives. Travel with us to unique places around the world and join us on our efforts to raise awareness about environmental, conservation, and human rights issues and learn what you can do to leave positive footprints one step at a time. Also, visit our interactive and informative website at worldfootprints.com.
2: Join award-winning World Footprints Radio, a leader in socially conscious travel for inspiring, entertaining, and educational shows. Meet well-known guests like Bobby Kennedy, Jr., actress Stephanie Powers, director Ken Burns, David Rockefeller, Jr., and other celebrities, newsmakers, and industry professionals who celebrate responsible travel, culture, and heritage, and support public diplomacy. Travel with us to unique places around the world. Join us in our efforts to raise awareness about environmental conservation and human rights issues and learn what you can do to leave positive footprints one step at a time. Visit our interactive and informative website, worldfootprints.com. Join award-winning World Footprints Radio, a leader in socially conscious travel for inspiring, entertaining, and educational shows. Meet well-known guests like Bobby Kennedy Jr., actress Stephanie Powers, director Ken Burns, David Rockefeller Jr., and other celebrities, newsmakers, and industry professionals who celebrate responsible travel, culture, and heritage, and support public diplomacy. Travel with us to unique places around the world. Join us in our efforts to raise awareness about environmental conservation and human rights issues and learn what you can do to leave positive footprints one step at a time. Visit our interactive and informative website, worldfootprints.com.
3: Hi, this is Paul Harris from uh, Severance in England. We're once again here in New Orleans. I think it's my 35th or 40th 40th time. (laughs) It's a great pleasure to uh, meet uh, our friends
4: from World Footprints and uh, wish you all the success with your show. Exclusive coverage of the 28th Annual French Quarter Festival now continues live from the Hard Rock Cafe in the heart of the Crescent City. Let's rejoin your award-winning hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick.
1: And Welcome back, everybody. I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick. And, you know, there's a new restaurant in town called Sylvain. And word on the street is that it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And we're very pleased to welcome Sean McCusker, the proprietor of Sylvain, to our show. Hey, Sean. Hey. how are you doing? Fine. I have one word for your restaurant. Having had the pleasure of dining there last night and enjoying the massive, huge, humongous scallops, Yum, 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 yum. Thank you. <laughs> wow,
7: really, uh, thanks, chef. But uh, you know, I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> now, I, I love meeting fellow Midwesterners. I know you—you you moved from Wisconsin to New York to New Orleans. Yes. What took you out of Wisconsin, and how did you end up here? At the end um, of the day,
7: I, you know, I love Wisconsin, love Milwaukee, uh, but wanted to uh, pursue a writing career, career in magazines and publishing, and. Uh, you know, there really isn't too much of that going on in Milwaukee, so uh and I also had this fascination with New York, of course, like a lot of people and I uh generally I just you know, thought, Hey, I'm gonna go try to make it in the big city for a year
2: or two and which turned into about sixteen.
1: Oh my. <laughs> <into> <laughs>
2: And now you're making it here on the Big Easy. Uh, there's yeah, been a lot to... of buzz about this, I Elaine. Talk to us about this restaurant, which is, again, pushing forth some of the frontiers in new American cuisine. What was your vision
7: for it? The vision really was based on the um, gastropub model, for lack of a better term, that, kind of, you know, that has been going on over in Europe, London, Ireland for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's more of an, it's a, more of an extension of people's kind of living rooms. Uh, over in Europe where, you know, it's the, the local public house, if you will, they would call it, and where it's still a bar element, um, but they serve very, you know, high-end food or quality food. Um, this um, the genre kind of moved into New York uh, while I was there, and it turned out that these were just some of the places that I was, you know, hanging out at and some of my friends owned uh, or worked as chefs, and um, I, I had been coming down to New Orleans um, after working in publishing for since the mid-90s, and I always was blown away that there wasn't a place kind of like that mm-hmm. down here. Um, mm-hmm. it, seems, it seems as though, especially in the French Quarter, you were either very high-end or, you know, kind of dive, milk you know, bar, for lack of a better term, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's a you know good bar food, but, you know, you, you didn't really have anything in between, and the bar would be separated from the um, dining room, and, you know, we've all eaten at the you know our nose and the Galitwaz, which are awesome, right. and I love and frequent all the time. But it's you know you okay, you come and you put your name in, and then you go and sit in the bar and have a drink, and then
1: and then they, get seated, and, and then they go yeah. sit you
7: and see you, and then you are sitting there and you're kind of confined to this table with. You know, know that party that you're with, and you know hopefully you enjoy those people. Um, but, 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 sometimes
1: but, not. Sometimes not.
7: But as you probably saw last night, uh, when you were at Sylvain, you know there's a, a lot of table hopping going, and people you know up at the bar, and then they were talking to people who were sitting down, and that's mm-hmm. kind of more of what you know I envisioned for it.
5: Sure. Um,
7: but then also, um, you know, in, in in kind of atmosphere, alone having that bar and dining room in the same area was really cool.
1: Well, you know, speaking of the, the area, the building that you're in has a wonderful historical story. Tell us a little bit about that.
7: Yes, the building was um, the building was built in 1796 um, by a gentleman known around here as Almanaster. His name is much longer, but he uh, built um, uh, the Pentalba, which are the two buildings on the side of Jackson Square. Uh, he also built uh the Cabildo right next to there, and um he was responsible for pretty much rebuilding a lot of downtown New Orleans after the big fire in seventeen eighty eight I believe it was so he built that house or the building that house of Sylvain as a carriage house, and then through the years you know got passed, it got passed around to different um wealthier uh, spanish families uh and then uh, after, you know, when the United States was actually being formed, I guess, you know, there in Louisiana, became real state. It was um, in the 1920s and 30s, um, a kind of famous and notorious madam named Ann Rose Arnold bought it as her home. And she uh, was a pretty, impo- a very prominent figure in the quarter. She was six foot five. She owned a brothel up on uh, Bourbon Street. <laughs> Holy and cow, she, no, no
1: wonder the t- uh, yeah, tall ceiling. Yeah, right. And, um,.
7: <laughs> She was also um, a good friend of a lot of the famous writers at the time who were hanging out down here, and uh, William Faulkner would stay at the house, and apparently right in the back in the courtyard, and they used to, well, I also heard, I had a woman come in, a historian gave me a story about how they would, on Saturdays, they would sit in the back, and he would pretend that he was writing, and they'd hang out, and they would make up stories about people in the neighborhood and say, you know, oh, did you hear about what happened with Jim and Mary last night? And would wait to see how long, how or short it took to get around the quarter, and usually it was a couple hours, so that was a big game they played. But he actually, Faulkner used her in his, in his, uh, three of his novels, as a Amused, under the name Miss Reba. Um, so, um, he, it's, uh, and she's supposed to still be there. That's, you know <laughs> that's what we hear, and, and there there's been some weird weird things that have gone on, but you know that's every, every every new Orleans New Orleans building has yeah, those so houses, the walls
2: so. could speak exactly uh, what tales we would learn. but uh, I, I find it interesting, you as a writer, uh, Faulkner, and just this uh, lineage that connects all of that, and now the transition into gastronomy, <laughs> where did that come into the picture for you? How did you find your love of food?
7: Well, I, will, I always when I was growing up, I had
2: a Sicilian great-grandmother who uh,
7: lived to be uh, close to 100 years old, and she um, was just the funniest woman of all time, and she always had a problem with someone in the family, and when she would be, uh, you know, on Sundays we'd go over for dinner, she'd be making meatballs, and I would just sit there and help her <laughs> roll meatballs and listen to her talk, because I just thought it was really, really funny, so I always was into food, but then when I moved to New York, I was working in the publishing business, and um, you know, a lot of uh, you know, I was going out on a lot of client dinners, and, and I got a taste of some things that I normally wasn't getting in Milwaukee. I me mean, the first time <laughs> I had, first time I had sushi, and the first time I had you know, was eating at these amazing restaurants like Le Bernardin and Daniel, you know, Daniel Ballou's restaurants, and you know, all these places you know, for free. So it was great. And then I started traveling some more throughout Europe, and, uh, uh, and then Asia. Um, uh, you we're know, working on stories and things, so uh, it, it just kind of something that you know kept going. And then, you know, I just thought, hey, I would want to you know do something like this on my own someday. So.
1: <laughs> and you know, when we talk about uh, a lot on our show, and we when we talk about the culinary scene, uh, the farm to table is a movement that that we're very interested in and we're very passionate about because of our 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 interest, our platform what um the food that you served us last night just it was so fresh and mm-hmm. so beautiful, and I'm wondering um how much of that was local produce and and, and what you're doing uh, with the uh, you know how involved you are with the farm to table movement
7: a lot of the a lot of the produce is local. um we my chef came up under another chef who has produced several different chefs throughout the city. Um, And he he was a great chef on his own, but just didn't want to run restaurants anymore. And he ended up opening a farm on the North Shore, which is across uh, Lake Pontchartrain. Uh And he basically delivers us. He'll grow us whatever we want. I mean, he's almost like this mad scientist. His (laughs) name is Gerard Morat. He's fantastic. So he he does that. But, um, you know, our whole... Philosophy at the restaurant is just to to make everything fresh. Um, you know, we make everything right at the right, you know, in the kitchen there. Uh, we roll our own pastas. You know, grind our own burgers, sausages. Um, you know, everything. So we just think that if if something's done and not processed and doesn't come off the back of a truck already prepared, you know, mm-hmm. our, the menu probably reads a little heavy. I'm sure last night you looked at it like, oh my god, you know, it's, and some people get a little intimidated by it because everything looks and seems. So heavy, and then they get it, and say, "Oh, I wasn't expecting that at all."
2: I think.
1: Oh no, I'm you not Used the same
2: thing with the pork dish last <laughs> oh, <but laughs> nice. The pork dish, uh, it, for some, when you see it, it's, it's actually a crispy pork dish, and it kind of echoes parts of North Carolina pulled pork. But they also look like sausage patties. But it was an extraordinary light meal, and so that. That was the thing that kind of deceived me, almost like that Faulkner's deception. Uh, I Lan- had two of those a lot. Lancelot, Lancelot's deception. What am I saying? That was a deceiving thing. But but you've got a lot of great signature, one of a kind cocktails as well. To yeah. those, those, the those, food, they're thing. all
7: very pres- they're, are, they're they're all very deceptive cocktails too. A
1: lot of people. <laughs> and Ian just fibbed. He had three. He didn't have no, two. No, I didn't. No,
7: I had two. I it's easy to lose count, <laughs>
1: What well, we'll talk that. about
2: this after the break yeah <laughs> what
1: what was in that because uh we we're trying i tasted something it was kind of uh, bittersweet like a lemon, but
7: that um we use a, a we use a liqueur or uh, i trying to call it liqueur and a, a a spirit called geneva which is a um it's a version of gin um and it's 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 much smoother it's not as um i guess tiny you mm-hmm. tasting like a lot of american gin so it tends to go down a lot sweeter than the, the addition of certain bitters that we we also produce um, and all the every other juices we squeeze fresh. I mean our bartender our bar manager Murph makes his own cola you know, it's it's we make Whoa. everything right there. Yeah. So Wow. Uh,
1: do, you, are, do you guys have? Do you have a signature dish? Do you have a dish that is a, a local favorite or a signature drink or one that's a local favorite? Well, I mean,
7: the Sazerac is the official drink of Louisiana, and that's you know.
1: Oh, I didn't have that. Yeah, it's
7: actually I think I believe it's it's in like the state constitution as the official drink of Louisiana. <laughs> you gotta love a state that has that. <laughs> um, but it's uh, the beef cheeks. Mm-hmm. Um, are are very very popular as well as the pork dish that they had like you guys had last night. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's it's. I think the menu is pretty diverse. You know, it kind of covers a lot of different areas. So mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's hard to kind of point out one.
1: Nishan do you guys have a website for Sylvain? Uh, anyone from our listening audience can uh, can log on and see what we're talking about.
7: Absolutely, it's um, Sylvain Nola. S Y L V A I N Nola dot com.
1: Okay. All right. one word. And are reservations required?
7: Reservations, um I, I mean they're recommended yes. <laughs> lately. Um, we started out kind of with a no-reservation policy, and that didn't really work too well. So um, we, uh, we, we we are, and we're also on com, and you can book on there as well.
1: Okay, great. And, oh,
7: and you can also reach that from our site.
1: Great, yeah. great. Well, thank you so much for feeding us last oh, night. It was beautiful. Pleasure. And thank you so much for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you again, my friend.
7: Well, anytime.
1: <laughs> we'll be right back, you guys, after a quick break. And uh, Man, we're just going to continue to let the good times roll here at the French Quarter Festival in the Hard Rock Cafe.
0: World Footprints Radio is an award-winning broadcast and leader in socially conscious travel. Hosts Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick bring you entertaining and informative interviews with well-known celebrities, newsmakers, authors, and industry professionals. From environmental leaders like Bobby Kennedy Jr. and David Rockefeller Jr. to conservationists like actress Stephanie Powers and director Ken Burns. Tune in to hear travel journalism at its best. Visit unique places from around the world and stop by the worldfootprints.com website for comprehensive travel information including special daily travel deals.
1: Want to travel for less? Visit the worldfootprints.com travel portal to find
0: exclusive
1: non-published sales on travel. Our dynamic travel deals page updates daily with the latest sales from our partners and you can't find these deals anywhere else. We've seen sales for as little as $9 a night for hotel rooms and $49 airline tickets. So stop by WorldFootprints.com to see where you can go for less. Also, make sure you visit the Travel Marketplace for sales on travel essentials and services like PestPort for something. Want to travel for less? Visit the WorldFootprints.com travel portal to find exclusive, non-published sales on travel. Our Dynamic Travel Deals page updates daily with the latest sales from our partners, and you can't find these any deals anywhere else. We've seen sales for as little as $9 a night for hotel rooms and $49 airline tickets. So we'll stop by WorldFootprints.com to see where you can go for less. Also, make sure you visit the Travel Marketplace for sales on travel essentials and services like HuffPort for processing.
2: Join award-winning World Footprints Radio, a leader in socially conscious travel for inspiring, entertaining, and educational shows. Meet well-known guests like Bobby Kennedy, Jr., actress Stephanie Powers, director Ken Burns, David Rockefeller, Jr., and other celebrities, newsmakers, and industry professionals who celebrate responsible travel, culture, and heritage, and support public diplomacy. Travel with us to unique places around the world, Join us in our efforts to raise awareness about environmental conservation and human rights issues and learn what you can do to leave positive footprints one step at a time. Visit our interactive and informative website, worldfootprints.com.
1: Want to travel for less? Visit the worldfootprints.com travel portal to find exclusive, non-published sales on travel. Our Dynamic Travel Deals page updates daily with the latest sales from our partners, and you can't find these any deals anywhere else. We've seen sales for as little as $9 a night for hotel rooms and $49 airline tickets. So stop by WorldFootprints.com to see where you can go for less. Also, make sure you visit the Travel Marketplace for sale on travel essentials and services like passport or
8: Hi, I'm Callie Schultz from the great city of New Orleans, and
1: you're listening to World Footprints Radio.
4: We welcome you back to World Footprints Radio and continuing coverage of the 28th Annual French Quarter Festival, live from Hollywood South, New Orleans, Louisiana. Once again, from the Hard Rock Cafe, here are your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick.
2: And welcome back to World Footprints Radio, everyone. I'm Ian Fitzpatrick. We are here in New Orleans for the 28th. French Quarter Festival, coming to you live from the Hard Rock Cafe, right here in the heart of the French Quarter. And if our last conversation with Sean McCusker of Sylvain didn't make you hungry, our next guest certainly is going to give you a craving for Southern food. And when you come to New Orleans, you get to experience all of the great Southern cuisine, uh, some of which can make you a bit sleepy, but sleepy I'm not. But Liz (laughs) Williams is the founder of the Southern Food and Beverage Museum, another cultural gem that sits adjacent to the French Quarter. Liz, welcome to World Footprints.
8: Thanks, I'm happy to be here.
2: Besides the food, the fact that Southern food is so delicious and so wonderful, why did you found this museum?
5: Well, of course, there
8: really isn't another museum like this,
2: and so it needed to be founded,
8: and of course the best place to put a food museum is in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. People
1: come here for food already, so why not actually learn about it, too? You know, and it's it's more than just a museum Liz, having had the pleasure of walking through. What you really founded is kind of a living history. Um on, a, on, a, on the culinary side, but a living history nonetheless. That's right.
8: We're really trying to talk about the culture of food, how food is, um, is caught, how it's, it's raised, all the things that are important, including the economics and the politics, everything that has to do with food. And then besides that, we want to document it as it changes mm-hmm. and preserve what's already happened so that people can learn about the history of it, too.
2: Now, one of the things you just mentioned there, understanding about where our food comes from, and that's been such an important issue, particularly here in the Gulf region, with what we've experienced offshore with, uh, with uh, the fuel uh, situations and, and, and so forth. But today, we grow up living in cities, and so we don't really have that connection to the farm and understanding where food comes from. And how do you view your museum as being able to fill in that gap to really kind of help the urbanite appreciate all that it takes to bring great food?
8: Well, of course, we're hopeful that our artifacts and our exhibits kind of tell that story. But in addition to that, we have programming. For example, we have one that's coming up where children are going to learn how peanut butter is made. And uh, it's going to teach them that there isn't a jiff tree and a skippy tree and a peter pan tree and it doesn't
1: come already in a jar <laughs> oh bless you know one of the um the exhibits Liz, that i that i loved and i and, I, and we can circle back certainly to the um uh, the uh Food demonstrations, cooking demonstrations, but um, one of the exhibits that I really enjoyed was the one about Domino Sugar and the effect, uh, the impact that Katrina had on the sugar market. And I, I don't think anybody really understood the impact of Katrina. Can you share a little bit about that for us? Well, this sugar refinery is
8: the second largest in the world. It's the it's the largest in the Western Hemisphere, and it produces 8 million pounds of sugar a day. Mm. So when you think about the loss of that with, um, with the, the flooding and everything after Hurricane Katrina, um, the impact to the candy bar industry and the impact to the pharmaceutical industry, which, both of which use large quantities of sugar, is really amazing because it's just shut off. This mm-hmm. isn't a gradual loss. This is Im-
1: just an immediate shut off
8: so it impacts the whole country absolutely
1: and it almost shut off it, really because of katrina that
8: that's exactly right and it takes a while to ramp up at the other refineries in order to compensate for for that loss mm-hmm. so yeah and it was totally unexpected and unprepared for it. so mm-hmm. it was it was a serious blow
2: one of the things about new orleans that one can easily appreciate once you're here is just the, the rich ethnic diversity, the cultural diversity, and how that's reflected in the food here. Talk about some of those things, some of that diversity that uh, is uh, reflected in the food here and what you're presenting in the museum as well to tell that story.
8: Well, of course, there are so many layers of food here uh, in our food Obviously, there's the Native American layer, and we think of things like filet and all of the foods that were here. That's very, very important. We have the layer of the Europeans who came, and they brought their techniques and their desires and their, their cooking. Plus, they brought foodstuffs with them, so that added a new mix into it. You have the Africans who came enslaved and who did a lot of the cooking and therefore had a huge influence on the way the food was prepared and the taste that developed here.
5: Mm-hmm.
8: And, um, and then in more recent times, um, you have um, the Italians who came in the 19th century who influenced a lot of the food, the muffalata, the snowballs, things like that. Um, and then you had in the 1970s, you had a huge influx of Vietnamese people and that brought a lot of Asian influence and flavors and so you got crawfish, uh, banh mi and, and all of the po'boys that we now consider even embracing the Vietnamese po'boy, the banh mi. <laughs> and then most recently, post-Katrina, you have all the Mexicans who came and mm-hmm. uh, there are taco trucks now all over the city and so you've got crawfish tacos and things like that, which we never had before. So we we sort of have the attitude, I think, that if you can cook, come sit by me, you know, um, because uh, we tend to have a dynamic uh, developing cuisine. It's not just frozen in time. And then because of that, it's constantly absorbing everything new that's coming here. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, the, you have so many unique exhibits, and, and two that really... Um, really stay with me are uh, the bar, the beautiful bar, um, and the the cart in uh, the Katrina Deli. Yes. Tell (laughs) us about those two exhibits. (laughs) Well, the bar, we were just
8: so lucky that the people who saved the bar from Bruning's Restaurant, the third oldest restaurant in New Orleans, um, after Hurricane Katrina, they saved the bar, even though the entire building was raised by the Corps of Engineers. And we put it back together, and we just feel so happy that they trusted us with this legacy of the city. So mm-hmm. that that's really special to us. Um, the Katrina Deli, fabulous, fabulous piece of Mardi Gras uh, uh, artifact, and that tells a fabulous story of the bitterness and anger and frustration of all of the people who had spoiled food and uh, mixed promises and all of that after Hurricane Katrina, in typical Mardi Gras tradition.
5: <laughs> 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 and I'll,
1: I will have photographs of that that, uh, that cart posted on the website, actually probably on this show page, because they, they were. I love the Whopper. The Whopper Box and um, hell of a job, brownies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> now, now I want to kind of circle back to some of the um, the other things that you do there. You have tastings and cooking demonstrations. How often are those held, and um, and how can our listening audience find out about them? Well, we have uh,
8: uh, tastings or demonstrations at least once a week. And those are usually over the weekend so that people who live here can make it. Um, And uh, you can learn about them by going to our website, which is southernfood.org. And you can sign up for the newsletter, but they're posted there anyway, even if people don't want to, uh, to sign up, mm-hmm. and uh, we're it's also um, in the newspaper and everything. If you're local, but people can learn about them, and we have things that are not only local, but we have people coming in from all over the South to
1: do demonstrations, book signings, lectures, all of that. Mm-hmm. And Liz, I know you're in a fourteen thousand <coughs> excuse me fourteen thousand square foot facility, and you need more space. You need to grow. We absolutely need to grow. <laughs> we are popping out at the
8: seams. We're, we're getting fat. <laughs> <laughs> well, in New Orleans, that's apropos. That's, that's, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so we do hope to be able to expand because we're so new. Mm-hmm. We're still growing. And we want to have galleries about Mississippi and Texas and Florida and all the rest of the South.
1: Um and so that, that's all in our plan. Right. So so more of a regional uh right. feel. Okay. And um finally I know that uh you have a gallery named after someone we just met who we absolutely adore, Leah Chase, um the uh a queen Chase. of yeah. creole. The queen. Yeah, the queen of creole. The yes. legend, yes. living legend, <laughs> Leah Chase.
8: <laughs> yes, we have the the Louisiana Gallery is named the Leah Chase Louisiana Gallery and we named it after her um in um uh, our first anniversary when we knew that we actually were going to make it. Mm-hmm. And uh we had a big dedication ceremony and um we have a, a small exhibit about her in the gallery so that people who might not know who she is could learn about her. And it's going to be the Louisiana, the Leah Chase Louisiana Gallery forever so that in 100 years people will know how special she really is. And she's special not only in the food world, but in many, many arenas. She's just a wonderful person.
1: Yeah, so while we hope that Dookie Chase is around, uh, as well as you. Uh, you're, you're the uh, Southern Food and Beverage Museum, which is a wonderful cultural treasure here, located on uh, in the Riverwalk, at the end of the Riverwalk, past the food court. And you just got it. That's the longest mall I've ever been in in my life. So it's just at the end. But, uh, Liz, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. And we also hope that uh, you, our listening audience, enjoyed the first hour of our French Quarter Festival broadcast. So stay put because we're coming back right after the break for another hour of live fun from New Orleans. And while you're waiting, visit us on worldfootprints.com. We're Tanya and Fitzpatrick, and we'll see you right after this break. And until then, we're wishing you blue skies and purposeful travel that leaves positive footprints one step at a time.
3: Hi guys, my name is Sandy Best, the Sandy Best from Lake Louise. Where's Lake Louise? It's in Alberta. Alberta's in Canada, Banff National Park. Natural beauty, the only place you should go with is World Footprints Radio. They spend their time looking at those special places that are not tourist traps, there are not thousands of people. For the best on the planet, go with World Footprints Radio.
2: World Footprints Radio is a presentation of Travel and On Media Productions, LLC. All rights reserved.